everybody, it's Joe Parafarm of the Ladies Working Dog Group. Are you feeling stuck with your gun dog training? Trust me, you're not alone and that's exactly why you need to be here. Every week, we're bringing you the best tips and hacks to make training your gun dog easy peasy. We'll keep it straightforward, no fuss, just actionable guidance that you can put straight to use. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Found It, Fetched It. Joining me for this week's episode is our lovely LWDG Mindset Coach, Emma Liddell. How are we today, Emma? I'm really good, actually. I'm off work today, so that's always a positive thing for me. I absolutely love recording these podcasts because normally it means that we spend a set amount of time doing the podcast, but twice as much talking about other waffle all around day about gun dogs as well. But this week we are going to be talking about snoozes and zoomies and we're going to be talking about the inside scoop on our dog's sleep wake cycles so i know loads of you um have this with your dogs where they, you know one minute they're really chilled out next minute they're going berserk running around the house going mad in the garden um we are going to address this so emma let's start with the gun dog sleep basics like how much sleep do our gun dogs really need so I've done lots of research around this and did loads and loads of reading about this because it's a it's a topic that I'm fascinated in. And I think for me, I always start with our sleep patterns. And I know I've done a couple of kind of mind, Monday morning mindsets about sleep. And and off the back of that, I started thinking about dogs and thinking, OK, well, I know a bit about our sleep and how much sleep we need and what happens in our brains. But is a dog's brain that different to ours? So I did loads of background reading about this. And what I found quite interesting is it it depends very much um, on the age of the dog as well. So when we've got a little puppy, um, it's around kind of anywhere between 18 to 20 hours of sleep. Um, and that can change as they become an adult dog to kind of reduce to about 11 to 12 hours of sleep a night. Um, and then as seniors, it goes back up again, kind of very much like humans. As, as as babies, we need to sleep a lot more. As adults, we tend to sleep less. And actually, as we get older, we sleep more again. But what I also found interesting is the switch between the percentage of how much the dog spends asleep per night compared to during the day. So when I was reading up about it, actually, our puppies spend um, around 40% of the night sleeping and about 60% of the day sleeping. Whereas when we become an adult dog, we, our dogs become adult dogs, it tends to become 70 to 75% during the night and 25 to 30% during the day. And then that switches again as they get older. So again, senior dogs will spend much more time asleep at night, around 60%. It does reduce slightly and 40% during the day. So actually, if you think about an adult dog and a senior dog, they tend to sleep much more at night and much less during the day. Whereas as a puppy, it's 40, 60, but the other way, actually at night, they sleep 40% of the time and during the day, 60% of the time. So when we think about that nocturnal puppy waking, it kind of starts to make sense why, why those kind of early months that we have with our dog becomes a lot harder because actually biologically, they don't sleep as much as our older dogs do at night. That's quite fascinating, isn't it? Because like you said, if you've got a new dog, you, you desperately want them to sleep through the night. You want them to almost match the household sleeping pattern. Um, and what we're talking about now is the fact that they they don't like biologically do that. So we have to have a little bit more understanding when they keep waking for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of the stuff, and I know we're going to touch on it during today's podcast, is about evolution as well. I think that's something we often forget when we think about um, our dogs. 
because they look so different to our the evolved ancestors of where dogs kind of came from. We kind of think that our Chihuahua or our Springer or whatever we've got is so far removed. But actually, biologically, as much as they've been bred for certain things, the fundamental changes, so kind of their sleep pattern and things like that, are, are not massively different. So when you think about it from a practical point of view, carnivores, which dogs tend to fit into that category more than herbivores, they tend to sleep more because sleep is less dangerous, is more dangerous for a prey animal. So if I'm a deer or I'm a rabbit or things like that, I'm going to sleep a lot less because I need to be on alert. So it's the same as like when you go to the zoo and you see those lions and they're kind of all lazing around, having a good old snooze. And you think, why are they not doing anything? Actually, because they don't need to. So we've also got the fact that dogs tend to be more of the carnivore side of things. So they can sleep for longer periods of time compared to things like our other herbivore um, pets that we've got, rabbits, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, and then we've also got the difference in size of dog that can impact sleep, which I didn't know. I thought this was fascinating. That actually um, the smaller dogs, so your kind of smaller breeds of dogs tend to sleep about 14 to 16 hours a day. Your medium sized dogs, which the majority of gun dog breeds kind of fit into, they fit into that medium category, sleep for 10 to 14 hours a day, so less than your smaller breeds. But then if you go into the larger and giant breeds, they tend to sleep for up to 18 hours a day. So again, it's not only about the age of the dog, but it's about the size of the dog as well. It is like fascinating though, because when you um, suggested, I read that book about why we sleep, I can't remember the author's name, but I read the book. I actually was really shocked by how much humans need sleep and how much we almost fight it. We have this whole like lifestyle now where we are awake like from quite early in the morning to quite late at night. Um, we almost fight the need to go to sleep. We try to get it down to the minimum we can possibly cope with. But when we look into that, it's not good for us. So really watching our dogs when they're like just constantly snoozing, you think, my God, you are always a sleep dog. They've actually got the better plan for life, haven't they? Yeah, and it's natural to them. They're innate. We They don't sit there thinking, oh, do you think I might just stay up and watch another episode of Netflix? They go, I'm going to sleep because I'm a dog. Um, and, and it does very much like lack of sleep impacts our ability to learn. Research does show that it has a significant impact on our dog's ability to learn. So in one study they decided to take some dogs and they gave them um, a new command and then they gave them really good adequate time for them to be able to rest and get good quality of sleep and compared to some other dogs which didn't and actually when they tested that same command a week later the dogs that got the good quality of sleep responded much better so giving our dogs time to sleep can actually help those dogs uh, learn what we're trying to teach them in a more effective way. My dad always used to say, we take the dogs out, maybe the younger dogs be out for like 10, 20 minutes. And then he'd say to me, put them in the car now, let them sleep, let them learn. And like, and I'm, I'm sure my father wasn't sitting reading like studies on this, but I think it's something we've always known is that time to sleep and time to rest yes, gives us time to put things into our mind, doesn't it? And for it to, it to solidify there, a little bit of, of thinking time. Absolutely. And it goes on to, because I was doing some research, but I was like, oh, that's really interesting about them consolidating memories and using sleep to do that. Um, and it, go, it then raised the question, which I've heard people ask, do dogs dream? Um, and and instantly, I know when we spoke about it earlier, when we were talking about it, we were like, yeah, dogs definitely dream. We see our dogs dream. 
Um, but I was like, where's the research on that? So, so bear with me on this. They did some research with rats because they tend to test on rats because it's a much more easier resource. Um, and what they did is they looked at the activity of the hippocampus in rats whilst awake and sleeping. And what they did is they started putting them um, through the task of finding their way through different designed mazes. We love a rat in a maze and we're doing research. Um, so what they did is they got them to run these mazes and then they looked at the rat's brains when they slept electronically. Um, and they discovered that the same images were lighting up when they were running through the maze when they were awake as when they were asleep, which obviously tends to show that they are still running that maze in their sleep. So they are actually dreaming about that maze, which is really, really exciting. Um, and what they, it was so, they were able to identify even where in the maze that rat was in their dream and whether they were stationary or whether they were still moving at any given point. So that's, you know, if we think about a rat's brain and we think about a dog's brain, actually they are not massively dissimilar in how they process and learn, that it would show that they are able to kind of create those kind of mini movies in their kind of sleep, which I thought was just, just blows your mind. And then it kind of went into this idea about, so what do dogs actually dream about? So we know rats dream about mazes, if that's what they've been asked to do. But it seems to show that rat, uh, that dogs actually dream about the day that they've had, which is adorable, really, when you think about it. So they looked at uh, dogs' movements when they were still asleep. Um, and they they did exactly the same thing with dogs is the, is the kind of short story. And during the course of the dream, the dogs started to carry out the actions, the same parts of the receptors of their brain that they were dreaming about at the time. So what I think is so sweet about this when I read this, a scientist discovered that, for example, a German short-haired pointer would actually go on point during their dream and a spaniel would still hunt for game which I think is just the most adorable thing. When I read it, I was like, I need to, I need to put this out there. That not only are they dreaming about doing dog things, which we know dogs do, sniffing and doing all those other things, but actually the stuff that we train them to do or is in a natural inherent trait, such as hunting and pointing. So they do dream about the things that we love doing with them as well. That's, that's ridiculously cute. Because like, you know, when you said that question to me, or do they dream? I would have said you should wait. Yeah, I watch, I watch, Rex more than Ella, he does this like whoa, whoa, whoa. I can't make it basically to a sound. You can hear him in his sleep. He's he's making little like barking noises, his little legs go a little bit. And I'm thinking something's gotta be going on there because this is very different to your normal sleep. You know, it's very you're very active in your sleep right now and you're very vocal in your sleep right now. And when you're awake, you're absolutely silent. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, to think that they're actually like rerunning their day. That's like almost like a double-edged sword though, isn't it? Because like if you've had a great day and you've had great training and it's been super fun and they've had a brilliant day and they're rethinking that and they think, well, oh, if I had a day where maybe I was a bit frustrated with them and, you know, I, I've made them feel a bit like not unhappy, but I wasn't on, on my best. I wouldn't like to think my dogs are having to revisit that day. Do you know what and I that mean? Can be, yeah, that can be the reality of it. Because obviously if they have dreams, potentially they have nightmares as well. Um, so if we're thinking about dogs that have been um, a rescue or have had a quite a difficult life um, or could be quite reactive, that they can recall the things that they dislike in their sleep as well. So it's about kind of maybe understanding that. And another really beautiful fact, and I know we're going to go away from dogs very slightly, and I'll go into that kind of twitching and what happens in their sleep pattern, why they do that. 
is that actually birds learn to sing their unique little bird song while they dream. I know, I thought this was so beautiful. So what they did is they tested the sleeping brains of birds. Please don't ask me how they did that. And they matched up to the exact neurological patterns that fired when the birds were awake and singing. So they actually sing in their dreams and in their minds. And that's how, that's how they learn their bird song, which I think is just, the natural mind is such a beautiful thing, isn't it? I feel like we write it in the next Disney movie here. <laughs> it's like, like the, when Happy Feet worked out that he couldn't sing, oh bless. But yeah, but it is absolutely fascinating. And I think the more we understand of them, the more easier they become to train because we don't see the same levels of frustration because we understand them more. Um, do you think that, you know, as we do these podcasts, we do them more for a purpose, which is to educate and inform and to entertain. Do you think that understanding like the sleep-wake cycle, um, they matter to us, do they? When we work in a dog, they matter that we know why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, because sometimes it can help us explain or understand behaviour better. I'm not saying it excuses behaviour, but if we understand it, we then tend to work with it more than against it. Um, or we we don't know what to do. Like, for example, when I got Fudge, my, my first dog, my rescue, when he started running in his sleep and whining and his face muscles were twitching and he sleeps with his eyes open, so his eyes start rolling around and all sorts of other things, Apart from the fact that I was like, oh my gosh, is he having a fit? Was my first thing is to understand like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is that normal? Is that not normal? Um, should I should I be waking him up? Should I not be waking him up? You know, I was acutely aware he was a rescue. So my panic was, is he having a nightmare? Is he having a good dream? Is he chasing a bunny rabbit or is something horrible happening to him? So to understand things like phases of dreaming, um, and sleep to understand why dogs are wired the way they are to look at evolution helps us really look at our dog even though they're quite far removed from their ancestors to have a better understanding of how we can work with them rather than just being kind of worried or confused or feeling like we're fighting against it and we talk about like the human sleep cycle is a dog's sleep cycle the stages of sleep the same as we would see in a human no it's a similar sleep cycle to humans, but they go through the various stages much faster. So, for example, during a night time, let's say if we get seven hours sleep, we tend to go through four or five sleep cycles of where we go through kind of that light stage of sleep right through to the deep sleep to REM sleep and back out. However, dogs can do go through about 20 or more in the same amount of time. So um, we kind of have the, the first sleep cycle, which is just where they're sneezing quite lightly, you notice that deep rhythmic breathing, they're kind of lying on the sofa next to you and seem quite content. During that time, their eyes, they don't have rapid eye movement and it's kind of slow wave sleep. So they kind of wake easily. You know, when you see them dozing, but then suddenly your phone goes off or someone walks into the room and you see them kind of wake up and they're quite alert. Um, their heart rate will slow, slow slightly, their blood pressure will drop. But then when they drop into that stage two of sleep, that's when they go to the rapid eye movement phase. And that's kind of, it tends to be after 10 minutes of light sleep, whereas humans, it takes a lot longer to get to that point. That's the bit where you start seeing the twitching and the slow light if they have a little bit of a whine or a bark in their sleep. And it is, that's when they are dreaming, but you don't know whether that's a good or a, a bad dream. It's just their dog's brain is very active at that point. Um, it will be harder to waken him up. And this is when, when you've got the old stage of let sleeping dogs lie. Absolutely, when they're in that phase of sleep, that's probably the best thing to do. 
um, especially if you've got small children around, because actually if they get woken up from REM sleep, they might, they don't really understand what's going on. It's like when you suddenly get woken up from a deep sleep, you get quite confused as to what's happening. Whereas if you wake up after light sleep, it's not as disorientating, but you will see things like eye movement. Um, I've got videos of my dog's eyes moving um, to show what REM sleep looks like. Their face muscles twitch. You kind of see their jowls twitching. They kind of whine a little bit. They have maybe a little bit of a soft bark. You see them barking kind of very softly to themselves. Or they have that running behaviour where the legs start going or the tail starts working in their sleep. Um, but the kind of reassuring, yes, we have the concept that dogs potentially have nightmares. But if we look at studies, they do show that dogs in that REM sleep cycle do have brain activity, which is generally similar to the same as a dog hunting or chasing prey. So it is more likely that they're having a good time than potentially a bad time, especially if they're wagging their tails and things like that. But if you think about a dog sleep cycle, if you think about those kind of eight, anywhere between 10 and 18 hours sleep that our dogs need, it's about 10% of it. Um, but puppies, it will be it will be longer because they're still learning and they're still developing and they kind of need to process. Um, and then there's the third stage of sleep after that, which is the proper, proper deep sleep. And that's the bit where sometimes um, either dog will be on their back with their stomach exposed and they feel very comfortable, very safe. Or actually when things happen around them and they don't they don't wake up, they genuinely, you know, your phone can go off and they don't seem to jolt awake. That's that kind of really, really, really deep sleep. So this, this, the sleep cycles are very similar to ours. It's just they happen much more frequently and much more rapidly. It is mad, isn't it, to think like, I'm always impressed how quickly my dogs fall asleep. Like I literally like say to them, bed, I turn around, I'm cold. Um, and then like, when you see them and they're like upside down, there's legs everywhere. And you're just like, you lot are absolutely like dead to the world now. And you're quite right, you can move around and they just don't pay any attention to it. But like, I always find it fascinating. I wear a Fitbit and like I look in the morning at like my sleep patterns and I'm always shocked by how difficult it is for me to get enough of the like REM sleep, enough of the deep sleep. I'm a very light sleeper. And you can sometimes think, well, I've been in bed for like eight hours. But then when you look at like Fitbit recordings, you haven't had eight hours of good sleep. And that's something I think with our dogs, we need to make sure they get enough good sleep, uninterrupted sleep. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. So it's about making sure that they have somewhere comfortable to sleep. It's about uh, making sure that they've learned how to settle, either whether they are in a bed, whether they're crated, it, whatever that looks like. And also things like temperature, things like light exposure, very similar to us. When we talk about quality of sleep, we talk about having a good quality mattress. We talk about being the right body temperature. We talk about making sure that we block out light, we block out sound. It's exactly the same for our dogs. And I'm not saying we then have to buy blackout curtains for our darling puppy, but it is important to think, actually, if there's a darker area of the house, is it going to be more comfortable for them to sleep there? Are they going to, are they going to kind of prefer that? Um, and again, it's about understanding their natural body rhythms, which are different to ours. Uh, our, our body rhythms are separate to that as a dog. As much as the sleep cycles are similar, um, our natural rhythm of when we're awake and asleep is different. So when we like, not interrupt them, but, but in a busy household, it is very difficult to sort of keep them uh, always asleep, especially like, I know it's all gun dogs, but like I found my Spaniards, like literally I, I move one foot 
And they're like, where are we going? And I'm like, we're not going anywhere. So is there like, you know, other than the sort of things you talked about there, which is like finding them this dark space, giving them this sort of uh, area to see, is there other things we can do to like, not not interrupt them, but are they best like sleeping around death in the evenings? Or are we better off like giving them somewhere quiet in another part of the room? So we don't keep interrupting them. Yeah, absolutely. When they are actually settling down for nighttime sleeping, um, having somewhere where they they aren't they aren't going to be disturbed. Very much like when I go to bed, I don't really want to be disturbed by people. It's going to be better for us. Now I know some people have their dogs sleep on their beds, and that's fine. Um, it's got to be your personal choice. But actually, is that going to be more disruptive for you or for the dog when you get up and and things like that? It, I think it's got to be down to personal choice and lifestyle choice. Like I know certainly for my puppy, if I have him sleeping on a bed, which he'll absolutely do in the lounge while I'm watching TV or whatever else, if I get up, he will get up and want to come with me because he's like, oh, hello, what's going on here? Whereas when he's in the crate, so at 8pm, I tend to crate him and then let him out for a nighttime wee. If I get up, he knows he's not going to come out. He's not going to go anywhere. So actually, he tends to just stay asleep. Now, I'm not saying that we should all create our dogs. You've got to do what works for you. Some people have their dogs asleep in a utility room or in the kitchen or away from them. But it is about thinking that when you do want to have good quality of sleep, are there any adjustments that you need to make to allow that a little bit more than you maybe are currently? Yeah, because it's same like in the morning, Matt gets up really early to go to work in our house. So they are up quite early as well because everything, you know, he's out and about, he left me out with the toilet, whatever. Sometimes I don't think I think a lot about, well, how much quality sleep have you have you had today? Where it's been uninterrupted because like even through the day, working from home, I'm on the a podcast with you. So I'm moving about, that might interrupt them. I go to the kettle to get a drink you know, you know i'm interrupting there the postman comes the deliveries come meg comes down to ask me something about her schoolwork it's very rare that the house is quiet if that makes sense yeah and it's about finding out also when when is it best for dogs to have good quality of sleep you know absolutely at night time yes but also we forget that dogs aren't their their rhythm is is, is not the same as us so dogs, when we talk about things like um, whether we're not, we've described certain animals as nocturnal and things like that. Dogs actually fit into the role of being crepuscular, which I know is a fantastic word, but it means that they're actually most active at dawn and dusk naturally. Um, and we've got to think about it. So when we think about it from kind of a biological perspective, um, actually, if we think about the idea of hunting, which is what our dogs needed to do to stay alive, Hunting during twilight hours uh, offers offers biologically or kind of physiologically huge amounts of advantages because um, we've got cooler temperatures. Um, we've got lower competition from other predators that have different sleeping patterns to us. We've got really good visibility for nocturnal prey at that point. Um, and so it really aligned with it. So as much as they've, they've um, adapted to domestication, they kind of fit their sleeping routines in with us. Actually, they still have their own biological one. So dogs can be active at any time of the day, but their preference is generally for dawn and dusk activity, which I always find really interesting when I go out to work and I then get a puppy walker that comes in at one o'clock to walk my dog, which is completely out of alignment for what they want. Actually, dogs naturally would sleep during this time. So is it better to have my puppy walker in earlier on in the morning 
let them sleep through the day or have them come out, you know, later on in the afternoon where it fits in with their kind of own rhythms a little bit more. Um, so it's about not only, it's kind of thinking about our patterns of living, but also the dog's natural one as well. Um, so they, you know, and also the difference between us is as humans, unless we like to have a nap in the afternoon, which some of us do, we have what we call a monophasic sleep pattern, which is where we tend to sleep once in the day. Whereas dogs have a polyphasic sleep pattern. So they sleep multiple times during the day and night. They don't have a long stretch like we do. Um, and then we have this kind of sleep wake cycle that they have during the day with these periods of activity kind of at dawn and at dusk. So when we think about when we're training our dogs, actually, in some ways, that works really well for us. Because before we go to work, training our dogs is when they're naturally most active. And when we come home from work. Um, so sometimes we can use things like that sleep wake cycle and their natural circadian rhythms massively in our favour. I'm always absolutely fascinated with the, like the whole dawn and dusk zoomies. Now my two are a little bit older now, my spaniel, so um, I don't see it so much now. But now Meg's brother Puffin, you literally—it's like a daily thing. You literally, not you could set you watch by him, but you can see when he's getting to the end of the day. And in the morning, because he just goes into this whole mad, frantic, run around. It's like, like if my father's here, he'd say, it's like somebody's put a rocket up his bottom. He's literally round each room, flying, 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 flying. And it, it literally lasts minutes. And then he's like, oh, done. And then you'll sit down and he's just done. So what a role do like zoomies play? What exactly are they? So if you think about it again, if we go back to this kind of survival period of our, if we think our dogs, even though they are our pets, they don't know that they have that natural hunting instinct. And that's what we use for our working gun dogs. We, we want to harness that natural instinct. And even though some of our dogs maybe aren't working dogs, they're still, they're still animals that are kind of bred to hunt and, and kind of survive. So those twilight hours at dawn and dusk increase our chances of our dogs, chances of a successful hunt. So they can kind of capitalise on the vulnerability of prey. They get an efficient food, food supply. So from an evolutionary perspective, it makes absolute sense. But when you've got your cavapoo, which maybe evolutionary is not really needing to go and take down a deer or whatever it's going to be doing quite naturally, it seems really, really bizarre. But it is an intrinsic part of a genetic makeup. So, and it's kind of hereditary, it's been selectively trained, it kind of goes through all the other different physiological evolutionary things. Um, but what we notice is naturally, even our pet dogs are going to want to sniff around and investigate scents and sounds at that time of day. They are more likely to indulge in this playtime at dawn and dusk, and they're likely to let their pent up energy loose with their favourite toys. That's when you see them bouncing off sofas, doing laps of the garden where it looks like their head has just gone out of their ears and they're just kind of this mad, mad goblin child zooming around. Um, but it's and they can also be more vocal. They can be more yappy or or because they want to communicate their presence to other animals. They want to they want to show that that's where they are. It's a, a territorial thing. Um, so it's it's a really interesting thing. So genetics wise. Uh, different breeds have different um, dispositions, but our hunting breeds are naturally more active in those hours. So for those of us who've got our gun dogs, awesome. That might be more prevalent than other types of breeds. Um, we've also got the environment. So if we live, if our dogs live in an urban area, which the majority of us, we do, um, we've, they've also altered their sleeping patterns due to the increased presence of human activity and artificial lighting. So again, we've got this 
this slightly kind of our our kind of uh, environmental bias on it. Um, and we've got our hormone levels as well. So we've got this idea of our cortisol levels naturally peak in the morning, decrease throughout the day and reach their lowest point in the evening. So at dawn and dusk, when the cortisol levels start to rise again, they experience this surge in energy and become more active. So you've got their own circadian rhythm, plus natural light, plus the environment, plus their kind of evolutionary stuff. It kind of makes sense now when you think about it, um, when you think about their needs on that front. Absolutely. And like, you know, we all call it the zoomies, but there is an actual name for it, isn't there? Yes. So it gets referred to as frenetic random activity period. <laughs> which is just a little bit mad but it describes it beautifully because it is quite frenetic when you watch your dog doing it when I first saw my puppy doing laps of the garden and bouncing off the sofas and no matter what I did I couldn't grab the little thing to hold it it's just this random burst of high activity and energy it doesn't last long but it does tend to make the dog seem a little bit manic and it is that pent-up energy and with puppies, bear in mind, very much like toddlers, they can't self-regulate that an older dog can do. So what you might see your older dog just being a little bit more awake and a little bit more sniffing, and they might bring you over a toy and might want to initiate tug or, you know, whereas a puppy, their brain is still developing. They can't do that. They're going to be running around like an absolute loon. Um, and that's where we get that kind of idea of frustration. So definitely before bed. Uh, often first thing in the morning they kind of have that sometimes it can be around after eating as well but we tend to feed our dogs first thing in the morning later on in the evening so you can see how this all these ingredients kind of give this outpouring of, of our of our manic puppies doing loops to the garden and driving us mad and it is an absolutely happy healthy normal thing for a dog to do isn't it so when a dog got a zoomies it's not because there's anything wrong with them they are just being a normal puppy or a normal dog yeah absolutely and they tend to outgrow it um I say tend to outgrow it you know it depends on the breed of the dog and how quickly they mature uh my pup is two but he's part HPR and he still has the zoomy sometimes um which is for me quite funny to see it's just he's a very big dog doing the zoomies now which which means that my sofa slides across the room rather than him just kind of bouncing around on it but generally when we're talking about kind of sleep issues with dogs and things like that there's only tends to be mostly three. One is narcolepsy, um, which is exactly the same as human narcolepsy. The dogs that are kind of more predisposed to that are Dobermans, Labradors, um, because of genetics. Um, but it's not life-threatening. It doesn't tend to worsen in age, and they can have treatment for it. Some of your um, kind of slightly shorter-nosed and shorter-muzzled breeds can have sleep apnea as well, which can be quite difficult. Um, it can involve medication or surgery. And then very rarely you can get REM sleep behaviour disorder in dogs as well, um, which is where they do kind of have much more extreme outbursts of things like howling, barking, violent limb movements, biting and chewing. Um, but generally that will come on before they turn one. And again, medication is quite effective. So those are kind of your three more common sleep disorders, um, whereas the Zoomies does not fit into that. That's just that's just dogs learning, growing and developing. This has been absolutely fascinating because I think we love our dogs to death and the more we learn about them, the more like amazing they are. But like understanding a little bit more about the sleep, just it's just it's just fascinating knowing that they dream about their day and like 
the Zoomies are a fun thing. It just sort of adds to how amazingly brilliant and entertaining they are, doesn't it? Dogs, dogs don't fail to astound me. And I never thought when I got my first dog kind of seven or eight years ago that I would be doing in my spare time researching how dogs have dogs work. And I'm and I'm never ever I'm so astounded, you know, scent work is another thing and we could do a whole other um, podcast on that. But how intelligent our dogs are, the fact it only takes them three steps, three human steps to know that actually someone's walking one way or the other way because they can smell the difference in the age in those steps, essentially. You know, the fact that they have memories like we do, the fact that, you know, our dogs, you know, I'd love to I'd love to look at my dog sleeping in his crate and think he's hopefully going on point for something or he's having a good old hunt for stuff. Dogs are such remarkable things and and they bring so much to our lives. And I know, you know, for a lot of people, we just see them as a pet, but the more we understand about them, the more respect we have for them, you know, the, the better and deeper our partnership is going to grow with them. Fantastic. Well, thank you once again for another amazing podcast. Um, I love doing these with you. I love the fact we get to put it out on Founded Fetch Day. Um, for our society members, you get to speak to Em all the time and you get loads of perfect wisdom in your Monday morning mindset. For those of you who are listening, we hope you've enjoyed. We hope you've enjoyed us unraveling the mysteries of your gun dogs, snoozes and zoomies. Um, it's just been massively enlightening. Um, and like I said, the more we understand them, the more we can enjoy them. Uh, don't forget, we have loads of incredible expert-led coaching sessions coming up exclusively for our members. We dig into so much of your gun dog behavior and give you plenty of tips to take your training to the next level. So if you are not yet a member, ladies, please come along, join us. We will be closing our door shortly, so make sure you get in before that happens. Um, and if you want to find out more about us, just head over to our website or check us out on social media at Ladies Working Dogs on Instagram, um, the Ladies Working Dog Group on Facebook, or at www.ladiesworkingdoggroup.com. That's all for now, and we shall speak to you all next week. Goodbye. That's it for today's episode. A massive thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to head over to the LWDG and sign up for our membership. Get access to expert-led training, a wonderfully supportive community, and the resources you need to become a confident and skilled gun dog trainer. Let's take this journey together because no woman should have to train her gun dog alone. We'll see you all next week.